Hello there and welcome to episode 57 of the Ski Podcast. Uh, we are sponsored by Switzerland Tourism, a place that's fantastic to go in winter uh, and in summer, as I've just been. And we're going to hear more about that later on in this podcast. I went out to Sasfe and Zermatt, and it's brilliant for skiing and for hiking. Um, very easy to get to by train, as I did, and around by train. So uh, thank you to Switzerland Tourism for sponsoring us. My name is uh, Ian Martin, and I'm joined today by Jim Duncombe. How are you, Jim? That's me. Uh, yep, joining you um, uh, live from La Clusa, as always. Right, how is it in La Clusa today? Um, hot. It's about 20, well, I think it was about 25 when I went for my run at 5 o'clock this morning. Uh, I'm expecting it to get about 30 degrees uh, when I go climbing later on. That's a very active day on a very hot day. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. Would you, so you'd recommend people head to uh, the mountains at the moment? Yeah, I mean, if you're in France, definitely, because it's a lot cooler than down the valley. I think in Annecy, they're predicting 35, and then um, lower down, it's going to be like 40 across France. So, yeah, um, and if Blimey. you find somewhere with some snow. Surprisingly, I was watching this, um, I watch it because I can see the mountains out my window, Ian, is that um, there are still quite big, large patches up high. Uh, and we don't, like the Arabis range here is, you know, it's not particularly high. I think it's 2,800. Hundreds, uh, it's really highest point. So, but there's not much of that. But there's still big patches of snow, considering everyone said we had a bad season and it's really hot. So, have you gone up there to, you know, try and find uh, make a few turns? I keep looking at it and I'm really tempted, and then I think <laughs> it's not worth it. No. Now we mentioned in the last episode uh, that. Uh, you're going to be leaving and uh, you wanted to get that in there to, to see if it prompted any response. Um, did you see that Johnny Gold's brother said, why is Jim leaving? I'm gutted. And Jed Ainsworth said, is Jim leaving? What will happen to this essential listening for all snow sports enthusiasts? So, Where do you that- want to start with those questions, Ian? Which question would you like to start with? <laughs> well, one's essentially for you and one's for me. Well, I guess so. The one for you then. Why am I leaving? Well, um, I don't know. Lots of reasons. Uh, maybe I'm just sick of hearing about getting the train to the Alps or, you know, trying to free up my time to do something else. Time to move on. Um, maybe I'm really bored of Ian typing while I'm uh, talking, um, recording a podcast. Um, no, seriously, you know, I've just, you know, I feel like I have achieved what I wanted to do with the podcast and I'm ready to to go and uh, experience a few other things. Um, sure. Well, you know, the podcast is still going to be uh, going on and the format might change slightly, but I think um, you're going to be coming back from time to time, aren't you, with different features and things like that, about things that cross your path? Hey, if there's any, something interesting that I think is podcast-worthy um, for you guys, then I will bring it along and uh, share it with you all. Absolutely. Good. Cool. So you're not replacing me then, Ian? That's disappointing. I was hoping uh, to listen to someone else. Well, you will listen to someone else because we'll have different people on the show. But um, I think yeah, yeah, you're irreplaceable. Does that sound good? 
Yeah. I mean, while we're talking about this, you know, I'd like to say, you know, I'd like to thank everyone who's been part of the podcast the last few, um, three years, I think it is, you know, um, I've met some interesting people, had some exciting adventures, you know, I've even made some good friends out of it. Um, so thank you. And thank you to Ian as well, because, you know, he's put up with me um, and my pointless words that come out of my mouth when I'm not really sure what they're going to be. So thank you, Ian, as well. Yeah, well, that's how podcasting works, random, random uh, words. You mentioned that you've seen some snow and considered making uh, some turns. Uh, and you may be very jealous in the last podcast in 56 when you talked about uh, you'd been out to Les Désirs, uh skiing on the glacier there. But um, I have uh, done my own skiing, glacier skiing since then, because I went out to Switzerland, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago now. I, I so guess. did you enjoy it? How, how, is it you do, have you done that before? Were you excited? Was it good? Uh, I haven't skied in Switzerland this summer before. I skied on the Team Glacier and the uh, Ladies Out Glacier in summer before. Uh, but, you know, I was excited because I hadn't skied since, like most people, I hadn't skied since March. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to get out there. And like yourself, you know, with your experience in, in Desalp, I wanted to see, you know, is it, is it possible to ski, you know, right now in the, in what we might call the uh, new normal? And I, as you say, I took the train uh, out to the Alps. You know, it was very quiet. And I did have to wear a mask, you know, for about 12 hours. Um, people take a couple of breaks in, in stations. But, you know, when you get to the Alps uh, and you can take it off and breathe in that amazing, beautiful, pure, wonderful air that you get up there, then it was all worth it. And the, and the skiing itself, I have posted a few videos and things uh, about this, but... Um, you know, in in Switzerland, both in Sasfe and uh, and in Zermatt, you had to wear your mask on the gondola uh, and or funicular going up to the glacier, but not on the sea bars or anything uh, on the glacier. And I think was that similar to what you had in uh, all all lift queues um, masks were had to be worn as well as um, on the cable cars in France. So slightly different there. Right. Okay. Well, in which case, then yeah, much more. I guess liberal, you might say, uh, in Switzerland. And I mean, I have a much lower uh, rate of uh, infection, coronavirus, and you know, and deaths in Switzerland than they have. So uh, they say. Elsewhere. Yeah, so they say. I mean, statistics lies lies down lies and statistics. If you look at the statistics that are published, yeah, they're um, you know much lower in Switzerland than in, in the other countries. But the fact is that when you went skiing, you only had to wear them in the lift. They weren't particularly busy. You know, when I went up in the lifts, you know, there's a few hikers around. Zermatt is much busier than Sasfe. Uh, there's slightly more skiing in uh, in Zermatt, but uh, you know, Sasfe, I think uh, a lot of people up there. And I I bumped into uh, Dave riding on the uh, slopes uh, up there. We're going to run a little interview with him a bit later on but he's chosen to spend all summer out there uh but yeah on the yeah and then when i found on the glacier itself mainly racers most of them are going home kind of mid-morning so there's you know a nice decent i thought of you actually jim because i remember before you talked about how you quite like to see the same slope again and again you know to really work on your technique and i took that on board yeah. Did you did you improve? <laughs> I don't know if I, I improve, but you know there were like two or three runs uh, that you could do. Oh yeah, it's not much option on a glacier. Yeah, about five hundred meters. Did Dave? Did Dave Riding give you any tips? 
Did you ask no. for any tips? No, no he didn't. Did you ask his coach probably better? Yeah, I did see his coach there as well, but he didn't. He didn't. I think the first time I saw him, uh, he was in the sort of in the lift gear, and I, re- I only realised it was him because uh, it, it had Dave Riding written on his sleeve or something. I said, "Oh, Dave, Dave, how are you?" And he like looked at me, thinking, "Who is this weird stalker person?" You know, yet someone else. You know, we were on the podcast a month ago. I thought we built up such a friendship, but then eventually he did recognise me. It's hard, I guess, when you've got goggles and a, and a helmet on. Yeah, it's tricky to recognise. Did you um, did you go through that process of going, um, who is that guy? I recognise him. Did I go to a wedding with him last year? And then it twigs. <laughs> yeah, the bloke in front of me with the with the uh, Team GB uh, top on and the Union Jack helmet and things like that. Well, you've got a Team G top on as well, Ian. Did you steal it off him? I'm wearing <laughs> one right now, I can see. Yeah, uh, which did you prefer, um, Saspe or Zermatt Glacier? Uh... I mean, there wasn't a lot to choose. I think there was probably more space on the Zermatt uh, Glacier uh, overall. You could you could do a longer run um, for sure. And they're actually in Zermatt. Uh, they're developing a new downhill run. They want to bring it into the uh, to the this uh, um, schedule, and it'll be a combined event between Zermatt and Chavinia. Uh, and they're going to start it right at the top of that glacier there at. 3,800 metres or whatever it is and it runs across the top of the glacier and then goes down into the uh, Italian side and they think the, you know, they can guarantee snow etc so they're, they're busy you can see them digging out an area of the glacier and uh, you know piecing it uh, down apparently to allow downhillers to practice there as well as slalom skiers so there is more more space up there and there's a park in the Zermatt one as well isn't there well, yeah, there is a park in Saturday, but they haven't opened it yet. They kind of had it sort of like in rough draft. You could see the kickers there, but they hadn't been properly smoothed, etc. And they did tell me that they'll have them uh, ready later in the season. Because you went to Saturday, didn't you, like uh, last year or a couple of years ago? I think I went to Saturday a couple of times last year. I went, and then I yeah. went to Zermatt the the winter, but the summer before. Yeah, right. in the last three years. Well, you know, they have got snow parks in both places, but I know that the British team, the freestylers, have been out in Sass Bay before and based themselves there. But right now, they wouldn't be able to do it. But it was still, they told me, quite early in the season. And you could see that they were still piecing. Like I'm saying, Zerma had a larger ski area. In Sass Bay, they had extra uh, kind of sections that they were still only creating the piecing. And they were only running two drag lifts and they're going to open another two. Um, as it gets busier. But, you know, if, if, if listen, if you're out there and you're thinking, God, you know, I really miss skiing, uh, you know, my, I miss my Easter holiday or my end of season ski holiday, then, you know, I'd really, yeah, get out there and do some summer skiing. It's only open until lunchtime. So depending how keen you are, you can get up really early. Dave Ryden told me he's getting up, going up the lift at 6.30 in the morning. Like, <laughs> the earliest I went up there was like 9.30. Um but you can ski until uh, midday or one o'clock uh, in Zermatt in the afternoon. You can go for a hike, uh, you know, something like that. It's great. And how was it easy? Because obviously, you know, it's a nice idea to do those two resorts because they're next door to each other. How easy is it to get from one to the other? Yeah, you just get a bus uh, down the valley to a place called Stalden and then you catch the, the train up. Uh, I guess well, it probably took an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. It's easy, um, for sure. But Deserma, you know, in Sass Bay, as I was leaving, the hotelier, the woman who owns the hotel, I, said, I told her I was going to Zermatt. And she said, oh, 
you know, Safa is a village, but Zermatt's a city. It does feel and, like that. Well, it did when I got off the train. I mean, there were a lot of people. I'm talking to, you know... Um, Safa feels quite quiet compared. Yeah. Well, talking to business people, owners in uh, Zermatt, I mean, normally they'd be full with, uh, you know, Asians and Americans, and they're obviously not there now. But they were very busy with Swiss people. You know, lots of Swiss people taking their holidays in Switzerland. And uh, they actually said that, you know, in some respects it's better because, you know, a lot of the tourists normally, they just come in for a day uh, and then uh, they go up the mountain, uh, go up Gornagrat or something like that, and then they disappear off to somewhere else the next day, whereas the Swiss people are, are staying for longer. Well, I think it's the same in every country, isn't it? Lots of people are staying um, staying local as, as possible, I think. Yeah. Well, actually, I um, just wanted to briefly mention what's going on in, in kind of other parts of the world. New yeah, I'm a bit worried about this, Ian, because it says in the notes that you sent me, um, situation in New Zealand, Australia, is uh, what, are they at war? Is it bad? <laughs> I guess I meant skiing in the new normal, because what I was going to say is in New Zealand... Um, they've seen some record numbers of people skiing, but they're all um, New Zealanders. They're all Kiwis uh, because obviously no one's allowed, uh, you know, into the country at the moment. And you know they've had some traffic jams up to the uh, up to the slopes and the remarkables, etc. So you know that's that's great for them, but also quite surprising. They weren't expecting that. Any reason they say they put it down to people just wanting to get out, experience new things? They've spent so much time in isolation that they decided yeah. this is their hobby. Uh, yeah, knitting wasn't things. very much fun. Yeah, no, all of those things, and no Australians. But you know, Australians obviously have got their own issues at the moment. Those uh, Victorian resorts. Uh, I think we just touched on this in episode fifty-six. You know, everything's changing the whole time, but. Um, yeah, they opened up and then kind of had to close because, uh, you know, they're only open to, uh, well, people from Melbourne weren't allowed to travel out and go up to them. And people from New, New South Wales, etc., can't cross the border into Victoria. And we're talking about Threadbow and, is that right? Threadbow and Parrish are in New South Wales. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're still running and they're still open. But, um, you know, Hotham and Mount Bull are over in Victoria, um, you know, prematurely uh, ended. And in South America, where they've got big problems with COVID, um, they have had an opening now in Cerro Alta, I think, in uh, in Argentina. The first resort to open a little later on. I think on the show notes should be checking my facts, but not so good. So after all this, Ian, how do you feel next winter will go? Well, you know, we recently, in the last couple of days before recording this, we heard about uh, Spain <clears throat> and the UK government um, you know, putting a quarantine uh, in place for anyone who's coming back from Spain. And that has really upset the apple cart, I think, because people will probably think, well, can I book a holiday safe from the knowledge that I'm going to be able to come home? You know, I'm, I'm relentlessly optimistic. My experience of uh, Sasfe and probably your experience of uh, Les Desalbes, you know, suggests to me that skiing is in, you know, entirely possible. We need, you know, governments to, to play ball uh, as well. I don't you think know. it'll be the ski resorts that close down. I mean, unless, I mean, France is already planning for 
isolated closures um, in the case of COVID. They don't see a nationwide shutdown at all. That's not what they're talking about. They're really encouraging businesses to stay open. Yeah. It will be isolated. So I think, you know, skiing won't stop. I have a feeling that that will carry on. But, it, it, but it, you know, it could be that, you know, the Three Valleys gets shut down or, you know, um, another area like, gets shut down. That could potentially yeah. happen. But I don't think in total skiing will end. Yeah, well, we'll see. The answer is, Ian, to move here and then, uh, then you're <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm very um, positive and I'm, you know, thinking about writing an article, you know, which no one seems to consider that maybe skiing will be all right next season. Um, but uh, everything moves quickly. Now, we're, we're about to be joined. Um, we might drop in. We've got a little chat with Dave Riding, might drop that in um, uh, a little bit later. But we've got a guest with us today, and I thought maybe we'll bring her in, as I can see that she's waiting in our... Uh, oh, I thought I was the green, guest. Green room, is it? Is that what it's called? Oh, it's a technical term. Well done. Yeah, OK. Let's let's bring in uh, Rachel from uh, Ecosky. Hey. Hello. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. <laughs> I hope How these you work. They're brand, they're brand new, so... Oh, they look very good, yeah. Are they recycled? They're very smart. No, <laughs> I know. Well, I only got the message last night from Ian saying I needed a headphone. So here it wow. is. They're very nice. You got, you got very smart. Already. That's it. That's very um, Yes. Yes. So <laughs> very um, quick. Rachel, we, Jim and I have just been chatting away about you know skiing in Switzerland and this and that. Christian and Jim always like to ask. I'm going to get in there first. When did you last go skiing? Uh, we were very fortunate that we were there for New Year, so we made it. But so many people missed out totally, didn't they? Which was a shame. Where, we were, where, did you, where did you go? We were in a little resort called a Rosière. Um, it's not far from Geneva. Okay. Or did I cut right. out? Yeah, a yeah, little the bit. Rosier. Yeah, it's, it's not... Yeah, it's... Um, so La Rosière is not far from... Um, Oh gosh, uh, Val d'Isère, kind of, you can see teen, so yeah, it's opposite teen and it's perfect yeah, for I'm, kids. Yeah, uh, well, I've so been there three times with my, uh, with my kids. It's very sweet. I think you'll find and, it's actually uh, Lazare that you can see from the Rosier, but I don't want to be oh, a sorry. pedant about it. <laughs> oh no, you have to, please do correct me. <laughs> I, I, you know, I spent two seasons looking in the opposite direction. <laughs> No, it's great. So no, and we were meant to go back in April, but obviously didn't make it. Um, so yeah. yeah, we can't wait. We're booked um, to go back um, December to do the same New Year ski trip again. But I don't, I don't know. We don't know, do we? It will we happen. Know. It will well, happen. I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that you you are booked. And uh, listener, if you haven't booked your holiday yet, then you should probably do that as well. Now, Rachel, you should. Yes. I know a little bit about your background. We've sort of chatted yes. before. We came across each other on a, a sort of webinar earlier this year about you know green skiing and things like that. Um, you you are currently right on the brink of uh, you know setting your website alive for your new business, aren't you? Which is eco yes. right? Exactly. Yeah, we're yeah. closer. There's 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 inevitable delays. For various reasons but um yeah we want to kind of it has to be a hundred percent once we um open up so yeah. 
Do you want yeah, to just tell us a little bit about what EcoSki is then? Yeah, I don't know anything about well, it. I'd really love to no, know exactly no. what it is. So for Jim's benefit, um, it is a collection and our thousands of, of listeners. And your thousands of listeners, which I can't see any yet. <laughs> they're not here. Um, it's a, they're not here. Oh, okay. Um, a collection of all the best sustainable brands. So there's some fantastic brands out there um, that are currently locked in. Sorry, I keep cutting out, don't I? Don't worry Do about I keep that. cutting out? It doesn't matter, keep going. So they're stocked in um, a lot of the UK retailers, um, but they're, we're taking, we're not taking them away. They're going to be in all of the other retailers, but we're just focusing solely on the sustainable brands. So it's a small collection of what we call the greenest brands. Um, so their kind of focus is on reducing their overall emissions and their footprint. Um, the likes of Planks and Patagonia and Picture and some of the old been around for forever that are bringing in new ranges um, that are environmentally friendly or environmentally friendlier. Um, so does that does that help? Yeah, it does. I mean, what's your threshold? I'm still there. <laughs> what's your threshold for deciding whether or not uh, uh, you know uh, a brand or a particular product line is sustainable enough? Well, it's a it's a tricky one because when you start looking into ski wear, uh, I was oblivious to the fact that all of our outer jackets are polyester and, and derived from fossil fuels, um, effectively a plastic. Um, but our big cutoff is PFCs. I don't know whether you're aware of the PFCs. It's what um, you make your water, your jackets waterproof. So it's a toxic chemical actually that you paint on your polyester jacket to make it. And there's a lot of brands pioneering new um, DWR techniques. Um, so our, across our board, none of our stock have PFCs in them. Um, and for example, picture, I mean, I went into their showroom and they showed me how breathable it is and how waterproof it is. Um, and this DWR that they're using, um, I think it's a called Eco Techno Light or something like that. Um, but it's it's incredible and it's non-toxic because I think the issue with the PFCs is that when you're producing the jackets, PFCs are leaking into the water. When you're wearing your jacket, it's washing off your jacket onto the slopes. Um, it's the same stuff that you wax your skis with um, and butter are the environmentally friendly ski wax equivalent. Um, and then when you finished with your jacket and in a landfill or whatever, it sits in the ground, doesn't ever biodegrade, uh, toxic in the ground. So that's our bench line cut off, absolutely no PFCs. <laughs> right, okay. Um, but there's other factors as well. Yeah. Are you and hearing me okay? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, what, what, uh, what are yeah, some okay. of the other factors then? The other factors, well, things like your base layers, um, so I'm wearing at the moment um, a merino wool, which obviously you'll all be aware of. Um, we've got, um, it's, it's checking the sustainability story and making sure you know where everything comes from. So the merino wool is um, responsibly sourced. You need to be able to track where it comes from. And the brands that we're working with have an amazing relationship with the farmers. Um, some of the brands, you can track your wool right back to your sheep, which is quite sweet. 
Um, it's all about keeping your emissions as low as possible, um, reducing water usage, reducing pollution. Um, also things like uh, your even your inner layer of your jackets that you wear and your polyester jackets. A lot of them are reusing waste cutoffs that drop on the the pit for picture example they're using waste that's on the floor i think picture went to their factory and they asked what's all this mess all over the floor and the manufacturer said well that's just off cuts we don't want any waste pick it up and use it as the liner they're in some of the jackets the lining is all different it's just it's a bit like a patchwork quilt so it's minimizing waste um also they're using recycled um, polyester um, in the form of plastic bottles. Um, so some of the brands that we're stocking, their polyester shell jackets are 100% recycled plastic bottles, which sounds pretty horrific, um, but I was a little bit not sure about that really until I saw the jacket and the quality is exceptional. Um, I don't know, you're probably aware of all the brands, are you? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I personally um, bought planks um, for the reason that you you just described um, yeah, right. a few no, a few good. a few seasons ago, I I live in the Alps yeah. and I ski. Like, okay. Uh, I'm going to say I ski maybe five days a week, right? But don't tell anyone. Um, but my question here, I've no got a question. Hearing. No one's yeah. listening, literally. Um, so I've got I bought my plank stuff and I've done two seasons in. I reckon I might be able to get it for three. What's the ultimate amount of um use i should be looking at because you know some people will literally buy stuff for a week ski holiday and then buy new stuff i'm going to try and eke mine out for three seasons um what's you know what's what do you advise well i think this is the problem obviously if you go skiing once a year then it should last a lot longer than somebody that skis five times a week um but i think that's the biggest issue is the that you wear these clothes for people like me once or twice a week um two weeks a year sorry and it should last for a long time but you but the fashion to... changes um or if... oh, sorry fashion changes exactly um and that's the big problem because people want to get rid of them and they want to renew their stock and that's what's makes me feel quite, it makes me feel guilty and it makes me feel quite sick the fact that you know what's happening to this kit is very hard to recycle it Charity shops don't take them really because they're so bulky um, people don't go into a secondhand shop to buy ski kit um, so that's another thing that we're doing through <laughs> eco ski try and close this loop is um, provide a secondhand service so if you bought your planks kit from eco ski if you wanted to trade it in the next year because you wanted to be fashionable and the next you wanted the most current um, uh, range, then you could put it back to us and we would sell it on your behalf um, through EcoSkeed. Um, so we're trying to keep that circular loop going to stop stuff from well being wasted or going into landfill because the amount of clothing um, and ski kit as well and polyester that goes into landfill. I think I was reading stats the other day and they said there's the equivalent of one um, rubbish truck of clothing waste goes into landfill every second, which is, I mean, <laughs> it's quite horrific. Um, and ski wear so bulky, you know, and like you say, you want something next year. And I, I am trying to encourage people to wear them for longer and not change them every year. I'm aware that 
people do want to. I as well, I you know, I, I like to wear a nice kit. So, but hopefully with the eco skied, it will keep it keep it in circulation for longer. And then obviously the links we've got links. Oh, I would look at uh, that. I, I wouldn't. I would definitely not describe myself as someone who wants to upgrade their uh, their ski jacket or their ski pants on a seasonal basis because pretty much everything I've got, I've had for for years. You're still skiing in the West Beach freebies back from when we run parties with natives, aren't you, Ian? This is absolutely true. Yeah, you know. Oh, Ian, we'll get... Doing uh, natives from uh, from ages ago. Um, but, you know, what about the repair side of things? That's also a big thing, isn't it? Because brands like uh, Patagonia, et cetera, are encouraging people to, you know, repair uh, rather than, you know, replace. And uh, exactly. is that, can that be factored into Eco Ski at all? Or is that, you know, do you... Yeah, so the brands that we're stocking, um, I don't know exactly how many out of the brands that we're stocking, but a vast majority of them do do a repair service. Um, and even little things like they'll send a, a button, you know, and you lose a button or the zip breaks or they're, everybody's trying to mend what you have um, and keep it in circulation. That's something that we're not sure how we're going to work that yet. We've still got a couple of months to work it out before we launch, but whether people bring it to us and we send it back to Patagonia, um, I think we'll try and do that initially, but we might have to review it. Depends how much stock we sell. It's very hard at the moment knowing yeah. So, uh, actually, so effectively, you're going to be a retailer and you're a retailer who's specialising in the, the kind of best sustainable uh, ski clothing, snowboard clothing that's available. But crucially, exactly. she's a retailer that's suggesting that you don't buy too much stuff. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> we're slightly going. We're, I don't really like calling myself a retailer, um, but we but yeah, we are retailers, but we're trying to um, help raise awareness because I think actually um, a lot of us aren't really aware of how polluting our kit is. We're all aware of our carbon footprint, getting on a flight, flying to the Alps, getting a private car up to the mountains, the infrastructure, everything. And it's one of those things that I just haven't even contemplated that um, the carbon footprint, the actual kit that I'm wearing is quite so high. I think, again, I read there's all these facts and figures you can start you know, quoting facts, um, and you don't want to misrepresentation. But um, I think someone said that the clothing industry is the second biggest polluter. Um, and I think it even is higher than um, maritime shipping flights combined, which I thought was crazy. I'm going to keep looking into that. But, you know, I think it's the sheer volume of kit that we wear. <laughs> oh, yes, my holding page. <laughs> There's nothing on there. Quick, get rid of it. Uh, yeah, no, just, thought, just thought, well, we can see the logo and, you know, people yes. can, uh, you know, although there's no website in place at the moment, people can go to, uh, it's ecoski.co.uk, isn't it? It is, yeah. And we've got, um, yeah. so the, the homepage was meant to be done for today, but there's been an IT delay, as I said. Um, but we've got, now we've got our Instagram page and our Twitter page. So we're slowly yeah. going to start building up. We're ready. I think our first, I sent you the movie, didn't I, Ian? The Welcome to yeah, Eco Ski movie good. that we're working yeah. on. Which um, is all the sound and the voiceover and the script all needs to be fine-tuned. And then that will be our initial post and then we'll start building up from there. Um, so, yeah, we, we hope to build. We want it to be more of a community feel um and um a home for people to talk it's a, a little bit like 
a community and a blog as opposed to a retailer. So we're not going to be, um, I keep saying, we're not in competition with any of the retailers over here because we're doing something very different. It's people who ask us questions. We feel like we're on that awful cliche on a journey together. We're learning as we go along. Um, so interested in learning from brands. They're the ones that instigated this from the start. I was so blown away with what they're doing and um, they're pioneering and their initiatives and even Patagonia at the moment are piloting um, regenerative organic farming technique um, to do with their organic cotton, um, just to try and get the carbon back into the soil. Um, and it's just, you know, right down to the roots as opposed to just what we wear. It's kind of trying um, trying to deal with stuff, yeah, from the, from the roots upwards. And I think right. the, the issue with the cotton is um, that it's so labour intensive, water intensive, you know, you kind of think, oh, great, we're wearing a natural fibre, but um, there's such huge demand, huge demand for it um, that it's just, I don't think, I think we have two and a half percent of the farming land is available for cotton production, but we're actually producing 25%. So that land is never having a chance to regenerate. And so it's getting more and more pesticides, obviously more pollution. It's just, we're just, it's just so intensive. Yeah, scary. Yeah, well, um, I'll, I'll definitely be, uh, I'll probably be more looking at your eco ski uh, section, uh, but- Jim's hand-me-downs. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jim. Uh, it makes you be proud of me. I bought, had my son a, bra a really nice Patagonia jacket from the Vida Grigna the other day. He's probably got a oh, year wow. till he can wear it. I was very jealous. I thought, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And then Amazing. it was just a bit too small for me. Oh, oh so, that's uh, a shame. We think the site will be uh, live sort of in early autumn, let's say. Yeah, I think, you know, the kit that we've got actually won't be arriving until September. So that's our kind of cutoff point. Um, but we wanted to get the site up a little bit earlier than September because we've got quite a lot of stories. I think I sent you a video of our chat with um, Martin Hartley, um, who's for Jim's benefit. He's a, he takes all the um, ice and temperature readings in the Arctic and Antarctic on behalf of NASA. And um, yeah, it's, it, there's just we've done quite we've got quite a lot of stuff that we'd like to get out there. Um, otherwise, it's just a lot for people to digest in September. Sure. And obviously, well, we've got Shemi. That's going to keep you busy um, through through August, through the summer then, isn't it, Rachel? It is. It's strange just focusing on snow-related stuff over the spring, summer, but I think well, we're all slightly snow-obsessed. Well, we certainly are on this, on this uh, podcast. Not me. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you say that. You say that, Jim. Do you, do you want to stay with us, Rachel? We're just going to go through a few more things because uh, thank you very much. That, that, that is brilliant. I'm, I'm really interested, and I think you know we're going to be speaking again about uh, um, that. I'm certainly very interested to find out what's going on. We, we're in terms of the, today's podcast. I think, uh, Jim, have you got? You mentioned before. Was it in episode 56? You did a challenge with Dave Burrows. Uh, I did indeed. Um, Dave Burroughs sent me three glacier-based challenges um, oh, yeah. when I was in the Desalp. I went and did them. So I had a chat with him before and after. Um, if we're going to play it now, then this is how it happened. Um, Dave Burroughs, thanks for joining me. As always, I'm going to um, Lady's Alp. I've got two days on the glacier. And I've called you up, Dave, because I want 
three challenges to keep me busy um, uh, in a two-day summer session on a glacier. What have you got for me? Uh, hi, Jim. Hi, everybody. Um, challenge number one, do a 180. A 180? So a 180. That sounds tricky. No, not really. You just don't well, take I can't a... ski backwards. This is problematic for challenge two, then, when I'm going okay. to you with. So challenge number one is a 180. So what you would do, um, I talk about like a little jump or something. So you find yourself something to jump off. But first, go to the flat, a bit, a flat bit of the glacier. Yeah. And practice jumping like, you know, just flat on the ground uh, and landing backwards. So see if you can get all the way around. You're going to need to use quite a lot of sort of upper body spin, like to talk yourself around, um, get off the ground. And if you can land that, then the next thing to do is to find yourself something small to jump off. I'm not talking about going for a kicker or something. Just find the side of a piece or something where there's a little bit of a jump and have a go at it. Challenge two? Challenge two is a basic parallel turn, but backwards. So okay. can you ski backwards? Now, skiing um, backwards. Re really slowly I can. Yeah. So if I think the Des Alp is a reasonably flat glacier. like It's, it's not, not too challenging, though. No. So if you can start off, try doing it with like a reverse snowplow. Yeah. So you're doing snowplow and backwards, which is essentially what ski instructors do literally all the winter and go backwards. So using a snowplow and eventually you'll get to a point where you're maintaining enough speed. And the same with how you would teach regular skiing is you would, uh, you, you're sort of, you start to parallel ski uh, your turns together. Now the key to backwards parallel skiing is when you're in between turns don't be tempted to always try and look where you're going so that at some point you're going to have your back and the back of your head facing like as if you're in the transition in between turns there has mm -hmm. to be a point at which everything is going backwards including your head then the other trick about skiing backwards is that you always look over whatever ski is on the outside so that or your weight goes over the outside ski. If you look on the inside and you try to turn, you won't do it properly. Can I do, can I do challenge two before challenge one? Would that make more sense? Up to you. I don't think it makes any difference. But you can do these in whatever, whatever order you you prefer. Okay. Um, but yeah, I suppose there is some sort of logic to doing challenge two before challenge one. But hey, you know, whatever. Um, challenge number three. You're going with your new friend uh, Mike. Did you say? Yeah. I've deviated. Um, it's well out of my comfort zone. I'm with someone called Mike, not Dave or James or Jim. So, <laughs> really pushing myself. Well, uh, I would like you to see if you can persuade Mike and you to do some synchronized skiing. And I but genuinely, would... Dave, when you say it, I feel I feel like cringy. You know when you watch a bad singer on a talent show? Yeah, that's that's how I feel when I think about synchro skiing. I think you're going to learn to love it. There's nothing like laying down a run of cool synchronized skiing. I know you're a big fan of it, Dave. I've watched you do it a few times. You'll see when the people look at you from the side of the slope, they'll be like, wow, those guys look amazing. Like it's, it's a thing. It's a real thing to lay down some really good synchro turns. All right. Promise Is that you. directly behind or do I get a slight well, angle? Here's the thing, right? You have to do it. If you're going to go behind each other and you want to be doing like a short radius kind of turn, so shorter turns, um, 
here's some tips for you to get good at synchro skiing. So you want to keep it within a corridor. So one piece to bash your width of uh, of slope. And then normally you would communicate between the two of you. So you need either you or Mike to be the guy that calls it. And so you would be like one, two, one, two. And as you would have heard in the last podcast, um, I did go skiing in Nader's Alp and had a really good time. And when I got back, I caught up with Dave to let him know exactly how I got on with those three challenges. You managed to achieve a 180 um, jump. Yeah, I did. The one I sent you, actually, I'm going to I'm gonna say that wasn't my best one. It was just quite a cool spot to do it. Um, yeah. And that was obviously a shutter photo, and I picked the best looking one. Um, <laughs> but I did, pra- I, I worked on that, and I kind of, because I was trying to twist before I popped, and... Um, kind of developed it, I worked out how to kind of jump and then kind of bring myself around. So I was getting it quite, I was quite pleased with myself towards the end um, of that particular trick. I was almost say I was proud of myself. What was your sequence for learning? You could do it how, how I suggested it, so that you did, um, you did it on the flat first or did you just go for it? Yeah, I practiced like um, just off the drag, um, on the top of the glass there's a nice, um, there's a, it's quite domey and on the top it's quite flat, a good plateau. So I could mm. practice on my way to the steep, steeper stuff. And then there were some nice little, um, uh, you know, side lumps to kind of hit and then use that to, yeah. to get a bit more um, height. You don't For need me, that. It's not about the actual doing it, Dave. It's about getting overcoming the embarrassment of um, trying to do it at the age of 40 um, when there's loads of um, super hot skiers hanging around uh, near the park. It's nice. It's a nice thing to have in your locker, though. Like, if you can, if you can just bust out a 180 at will, like imagine how, how amazed your kids are going to be, like, when you go skiing with them. Um, I think I've probably got a year of them being amazed by that, yeah. That's all right. I mean, that's enough. That's enough. They're going to think you're a god. But, you know, and, and also the other thing about that is if you can do a 180, you don't need that much. You don't even need a kicker to do it. You can do it off anything. Because if you can do it on the flat, standing still, you can you, you can pop it off of anything you like. You know, a little lump in the snow or whatever. As long as it's kind of, you've got somewhere to land. That's the main thing. And the skis you were on looked like they were twin tips, so it was even easier. Yeah, they were a nice pair of skis, actually. I really enjoyed them. Like, I'm really interested about the progression of skis, but maybe that's another conversation. Um, <laughs> and how I used them. They were cool skis. I enjoyed them. Um, what was the next task? How did I do? Uh uh was it skiing backwards yes it was skiing backwards in a basic parallel how was that did that, you use the twin tips for that too i t- i used them all the time i was up on the glacier oh, okay um i didn't just take up skis just to practice 180s that would be um, excessive <laughs> self-indulgent and uh, optimistic yeah. um i found skiing backwards um tricky um for two mm. reasons one uh, you know when I go skiing with me, I'm impatient and I actually just want to go skiing. And you can imagine that trying to hold myself back by practicing to go backwards skiing on this particular occasion was quite um, mentally demanding. I kept pr- yeah. trying it um, and I was listening to what you said in my head about um, turning, having, looking on the outside ski, is that right? Yeah, over the outside shoulder. Yeah. Looking at the outside shoulder. So I do that, and then it get a bit steeper, and I got a bit scared. So I was practicing it. I was slowly getting better. 
But I think it's something you need to, it's not a five minute learning curve. That's a steep learning curve for me, I think. Yeah, it sure is. And it, it can be challenging also when the slope is off camber. So if you've got one side that's kind of, you know, a bit more down than the other side, it's really, really tricky to get it right. Um, you know, it, it's best practiced on a, on a fairly even, gentle, shallow slope. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. Good. And then you went with your new cool ski mate, Mike. Yeah. And and was he up for a bit of synchro ski? Uh, he had a similar response to me and uh, basically refused to do it. <laughs> I did. Oh. I did. Follow, I did try and synchronise myself secretly behind some other people. Yeah. But um, it didn't really work for me. It's not quite the same thing. So I'll have oh, to yeah. try it with you, Dave. I think we'll have to save that for you. Okay. You and me will do it and we'll report back. But to make up for that, Dave, to make up for that, I did set myself another challenge. Um, there was a really nice sequence of um, uh, medium red kickers. No way. Like four in a row. They're not. They weren't huge, but they was fairly big for for my for my yeah. adult level of brain. Um, but they were almost perfectly spaced, so that you went over the first one, and then the next yeah. time you went over it. The second one was almost identical, so you could feel the same movement as you went through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the shoulder. And my challenge was to make sure I was landing on the downslope. Okay. And good. nice and tidy. And I did it. I did it loads. And towards the end, I was getting really clean lift off, really clean landings, putting the, the, the stomp in the back down as I landed. And I even got a grab. No way. That's brilliant. Yes, way. Oh, that, I didn't know there was such an extensive stone park. I would have set you some. Uh... Set you some some old school trick challenges. Oh man, that is a good. It was a really good park there. Oh wow! Right, okay. I'm sorry I couldn't come this time. I'd love to come. I'm going to look in my good diary stuff. and we'll try and find a spot. And then um, I've got a challenge for you if you do come. Um, something mm -hmm. I failed out miserably. Um, I got given a skateboard and I stood on it on a pump track, and I made it a whole 30, 30 centimeters before I was on my um, side. <laughs> with um, a selection of teenagers and uh, under 10s laughing at me. Oh, my God. You, Gotta try you, don't have that, you don't have that embarrassment gene, do you? That self-consciousness thing. You just go for it. I do. I have that, um, and I didn't carry on. But anyway, Dave, thank you very <laughs> much for the challenges. Um, I look forward to synchro yeah. skiing with you soon. Well, Ian, um, that, was, uh, that was me. I, did, um, I managed to do a 180 at the age of 39. You know, pretty proud of myself. Um, uh, skiing backwards, um, which confused me a lot for some strange reason. But just so you know, I, I did a lot of snowboarding and I only started skiing properly a few, like three or four years ago. So I'm quite new to that. All right. did um, you have, um, and synchro skiing, which my friend Michael refused to do, um, which I don't blame him because, you know, that's embarrassing, isn't it? Did, did you have freestyle skis for your switch skiing? Yeah, I did. Uh, I borrowed a pair of um, very nice twin tips that I'd never been on before. They were um, different to anything I'd skied on before. They were really cool. They were almost like snowboards. They proper, you could probably kick them out and slide them. And they really came into their own um, towards the end of the day when the snow was slightly softening yeah. off and slushing yeah. out. Um, but as you heard, I said to Dave, like I was, um, I was getting, um, I was getting some good, good height in the park. Um, I was even doing a grab, you know, felt pretty cool for a middle-aged guy. <laughs> well, are we going to see the footage? Sorry, I said, are we going to see? Are we going to see the footage? 
Oh no, that's the beauty of podcasting. Oh. I could be really, really rubbish at skiing, and no one would know because uh, it's all audio based. Yeah. That's great. You can check out my Instagram at the average skier. You might find out on there. Okay, what, what average skier? The average skier, yeah. So, Jim, you did that on the in the uh, glacier in Ladies Out, um, uh, kind of out of the park and on the snow. I mentioned earlier that I bumped into Dave riding in the glacier in uh, Sasfe. Friend oh, yeah, I set him three challenges, didn't I? <laughs> and he wasn't working on the challenges. I mean, more of a challenge to see all the races doing is at the end of the day, they they go back up a T-bar with their uh, racing skis over their shoulder and their regular skis. You know, they're using a regular skis. And the coaches have a big bundle of poles, you know, racing poles over their shoulder as they go up uh, the T-bar. But anyway, I shared a T-bar with uh, with Dave and uh, had a little chat with him about how his training was going and um, you know everything else for the winter. So we'll just uh, I'll just listen to that one now. Cool. So I'm actually on a T-bar with Dave riding at the moment in Sasfe in Switzerland. Uh, just massive coincidence, having done a Zoom together, and now we're seeing each other in, uh, in person. Uh, uh, how was your session this morning, Dave? That was good, yeah, a good freeze overnight, so I was able to get some good quality training in. And uh, yeah, just trying to, hey, get, get accustomed to the equipment again and yeah. make steps forward again. And, yeah, because yeah. you've changed skis. I think you announced that maybe just after we, yeah, we spoke. Yeah, I've gone back to Fisher, what I was on for five years. Yeah. Like what I had my podium on Kitzbühel on. So yeah. I know the equipment, but it's a case of trying to move it forward and yeah, just trying to make everything better for the season coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. And um, how come you chose Sasfe? Uh, we always come here. Oh, do you? Right. Yeah, it's high. It's uh, good training. Yeah. Yeah. Guaranteed good training. Yeah. So, yeah. Is that slope long enough for you? Um, I mean, it's not a it's not a race length, but for for now, I'm I'm doing a lot of technique work. So yeah, I'm not even going the whole way. I'm, yeah. I'm breaking it up and working at working like so. I'll have two or three sections each run. Yeah. Um, so I stopped and, and, again. And do you have any idea how the season is kind of looking now? Because I'm taking it that North America, you know, probably isn't going to happen, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to say. Um, I'm trying to just go with the flow. Yeah. I hope we have a pretty normal one, but yeah. or certainly in Europe, but yeah, you never know. I mean, it feels like it here, you know, I'm here writing an article about, you know, skiing in the new normal, isn't it? you know, apart from having yeah. to wear a mask a bit, you know, in, in Switzerland here, it all seems this hand sanitizer everywhere. It feels very safe to me. It's, yeah, I mean, I think if everyone's sensible, we can keep it like this. I mean, you can't control kids, but if people, as many people can stay sensible as they can, and you yeah. know they're certainly not filling the gondolas up as much with us and the, yeah. the train. So yeah, it's quiet though, as it's, far as I can quiet, see. Yeah. I mean, would you normally see more teams than this here? I'm not normally here in July, right? Because of the situation, we've basically got renting an apartment for the summer, and right. we're just going to stay here. So Are we, you? Cool. we can control our apartment basically. Okay. And the only time we're in contact with people is in a gondola with a mask and normally how they're doing it here we're in the gondola with the same people each day so relatively yeah it's pretty yeah it's pretty safe i mean i mean with the virus as it is someone's gonna maybe get it uh, it is one of those things and that's the that's the risk that we take and yeah yeah but well you know good luck with the rest of your training i'm delighted to hear you've chosen uh, sasfe massive coincidence bumping yeah. into you 
Andy, you're on your way home now. I really only got up here about an hour ago or uh, something Three like that. Three and a half hours in the bag. <laughs> Good to go, you know. 10,000 yeah. hours and all that. Nice. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about that. All right. Cheers then, Dave. No See ya. And just to confirm, you didn't wear a mask when you were on the T-bar with Dave riding. So if he has got COVID-19 from you, that is a, a sad thing to happen. And imagine, imagine <laughs> having all the British hopes of a medal in the World Cup next year and you've ruined it. Yeah, he did. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I did ask him for a selfie uh, later on. He said to me, I oh, know we're not allowed to do selfies. We're not allowed to get too close to people. Um, so I've got a socially distant selfie with Dave, uh, Dave riding. Uh, so, Surely, yeah. if you'd have got someone else to take the photo, then you could have stood next to him and that wouldn't have been a selfie. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that works, but uh, but hopefully... It's called he's, taking a photo. He's fine and I'm fine. <laughs> um, we, this, is a, this is a point of the show, Rachel, where uh, you know, hopefully our listener is thinking, wow, I'm really enjoying this show. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them a review. And Jed Ainsworth did go on to iTunes. We've got 68 reviews on iTunes. He uh, recently said, just to hear the title music puts me in eager anticipation of sliding on snow again. Hopefully, oh. not just the title music. It's everything else that comes He just, out. that's it. He just <laughs> listens to that bit. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's up there with uh, the Ski Sunday theme tune, our theme tune, absolutely. I think I it's think getting so. there. Yeah, a, I've got a review that's just come in. It says Rachel Westbrook was amazing. Um, she was excellent at whatever she said. <laughs> yeah. Who said that? That must be a friend. It was me. <laughs> uh, Jim, did you? I reviewed you. Sorry. From Andrew Brennan. Yep, there's one from Andrew Brennan, um, and it said he was looking at a 1988 ski magazine and realised much of it is the same as the podcast. Graham Bell, Eddie the Eagle, seasons getting shorter and people travelling by train. How true you are, Andrew. You know, maybe that's another reason that this is my last podcast. It's just the same, the same stuff again and again. There's nothing he, he new apart from eco clothes. A couple of photos <laughs> of these uh, pages, and I'm going to have a closer uh, look. People travelling by train, that was really interesting. 1988, the headline was, oh, more and more people are travelling by train. But um, I guess it's just like a, probably not really more and more, just like a fixed proportion of people that never really changes. Oh, Amy Moore uh, said she really enjoyed uh, Podcast 55. Uh, hopefully she enjoys all of them, Amy, if you're it's a, a long time ago. Um, but she mentioned the Magic Pass, which you had last season, uh, Jim. Which, which you... I didn't use very well because, you know, got cut short. Oh, I think you did pretty well. I mean, how many resorts did you go to uh, on the Magic Pass? Oh, seven, I think. I yeah, planned on doing more. Yeah, I mean, that covers um, a whole bunch of resorts across uh, Switzerland. Is it just in the Valais region of Switzerland? or is it? Um, no, you can ski in the Jura um, as well. Um, I think um, close to the ski resorts near Annecy. Uh, um, the, the little resorts that no one knows about at the end of um, Lake Geneva. Yeah. I mean, that's one pass, Rachel, um, in Switzerland that covers lots and lots of different resorts. Jim managed seven in a curtailed season. And Amy asked, you know, she said she'd never heard of it. It's, it's, um, it's excellent value, particularly if you happen to live near or if you want to go to some of the smaller resorts. But her question was, do you know any other Alps season passes? And I wondered if you knew any, Jim. Well, I do. Um 
Uh, there was the snow pass, which we talked about um, back a long time ago. Um, yeah. I don't know what episode it was. I'm sure someone will magically Google it and tell me in a minute. Um, <laughs> but that was what we talked about it because, um, you know, it didn't cover any main big resorts. It was like we said that it looked like um, a... Uh, um, like a, a, a rip-off store of ski resorts. It kind of had that feel that it was like lots of places we never really heard of. But, you know, in my experience of using the Magic Pass, I've changed my mind about that. And going to resorts you've never heard of is a good thing to do. Um, I don't know how much it costs. But also, have you heard about Ski a la carte? No, tell me what that one is. Ski a la carte. It covers eight resorts. La Plan, um, Teen, Ladies Alp. Uh, I mean, I probably could open the website and then I wouldn't have to guess. Um, yeah, so it's Lazark, Val d'Azur, Teen, Grand Massif, Sir Chevalier. Um, it's not necessarily a pass. It's a subscription to a €29 Euros for the winter. You get one pass, which is good. You don't have to buy lots of passes. Um, and you can um, you have your subscription and then you can just turn up and ski and it charges direct to your card um, when you turn up. And also it is up to 40% discount on some of those ski days as well. Ah, well, they have a similar system to that in uh, the Pyrenees as well, where you can buy a single pass that covers uh, all of the resorts down there. I think it, it's called, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, I think it's called NPY. can't exactly remember what that stands for, but uh, if you're going on a seasonal basis. But you've obviously got the bigger passes as well. They're not in the Alps, but the, uh, you know, the Icon Pass uh, and the Epic Pass. The ones run by Vale Resorts, and you know they. I mean, the Icon Pass just covers Zermatt, I think, in uh, in the out Epic Pass. I think the Three Valleys is included in that. It's probably more useful if you are going to be skiing in the states, or, or if you're in the. I mean, I think a quarter of our listeners are in the states. So if you're in the states and you're coming over to Europe, then getting an, an Icon Pass or an Epic Pass can make it much better value for money. And if they're still selling that half-price um, uh, Port de Soleil pass, that's well worth buying because I think you get seven free days in Verbier. Do you? Right. I don't think that that half-price thing was just a, a deal that was on for a short period of time. Oh, uh, is it are you telling me that even if you get a, a season pass for uh, Port de Soleil, you can get a free week in Verbier? I believe that is correct. All right, OK. So, so for those lucky I'm leaving it and I could make it, I'm making it all up. <laughs> write in and complain yeah. i don't care yeah uh we'll uh you know i'll i'll have a look and drop that one in the show notes as well but you know essentially for you know if you can spend the time on the snow there are some really good deals to to offer you some economy of scale let's say so um when are you next going to be skiing then right through i think you told us that already actually didn't you was it december all new year. Well? yeah yeah new year exactly 28 yeah, i think in, in La Rosier. Back, I can't remember. Back to La Rosier. Yeah. Sorry, don't, don't worry, Jim. Um, it's just so our I'm children... I'm not coming, am I? Are, uh, you can if you want. <laughs> I might pop over for a day. Yeah, do. It'll be fun. So our youngest is four um, and our eldest is ten. So right. it, and it, it, we, just, um, we just can't stop going back there because they love it. They know where they are. Yeah. And they're so gentle. They haven't made it over... Yeah. All of those those little runs down through the trees uh, next to the kind of main piece, the kids love that, yes. don't they? Le Forêt, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really right. sweet. It's a bit hairy for the adults. You kind of have to <laughs> dodge the trees no, while your child goes. For, uh, brilliant resort for 
for beginners and for kids uh, for sure and so jim apart from like maybe sneaking in a few turns on the patches of snow that are left uh, you'll be presumably skiing on the first day that clues are open or will you go out onto like uh les Desalt again or, or maybe one of the resorts opens early in november well, I'll probably go over to um, Sass or Zermatt for a, a ski with, um, you know, um, Dave Burrows. Sp- yeah. Spend, spend all that money I've embezzled um, from the podcast that he's been giving me secretly for mentioning his name so often. <laughs> so um, I'll go and meet up with him, uh, I expect. And um, if it's a good season, like Le Clouse is good here. They open early. If the snow's there, we'll be skiing on the 1st of December. If not, I might head over to VT. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm sure I'll ski yeah. enough in the next few months to keep me happy. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, and um, I won't be skiing, uh, certainly. I can't see there'll be any way I'll be skiing before December. But I am hoping to go out to Switzerland again uh, in September for a trail running race, if all goes well. So, uh, in uh, the Sierra now. So uh, I might uh, have a little chat about that. Didn't you do that last year? I did go running in that area, but it wasn't a race. It was, uh, but it was in the Val Demivier. Uh, well, yeah. good luck for that. And just Rachel, cool. just just to check before we go, did you give me permission yeah. to buy a new ski outfit, or have I got to wait another season? <laughs> I'll give you permission if you give me your old jacket. So what we're doing with Shemi is um, we're auctioning off her old kit. Does she so know about maybe- that? She does. She's signing it, and um, we're auctioning it off for charity. So we could do that with you, maybe. Yeah. She's auctioning off her kit, so we will give her kit to wear. I, I don't know whether I'm for her television stuff, um, and then she will sign that and auction it off, and then we'll give her an, another outfit the next week, and then it's kind of, yeah. So it'll be fun. Okay. That's, well, and that's all linked in with the charities that we, I mean, there's so much I, I could waffle on for hours, but, uh, yeah. Get, get yourself a podcast. You can yeah. do that as much as you like. <laughs> Waffling on for hours. We've been doing that for three years now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, uh, Rachel. And, uh, and thank you, Jim. And the ski podcast will be back in, uh, September, uh, when we'll be talking about the, the lead into the, uh, season. Um, the possible, probable world's largest ski show, the virtual sort of thing, and uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll be loads of positive news, and we'll be able to say, yep, skiing, it's all going ahead, and uh, listener, if you haven't booked your holiday, you should probably book it now. Thank you well, very much. We'll be tuning into that, Ian, don't worry. <laughs> cool. oh, well, thank you all so right. much for having me. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Thank you. See Bye, you soon. Take Bye, care. Everyone.